thrilling episode of the You Know Show. We are two geeks who talk about everything. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Landon. Hello, and good day. Uh, we have been spacing out our releases for the last few weeks um, because Landon has been rude and just left the country for no apparent reason. I fled. Um, I fled the country. <laughs> fled the country. Took his took his wife. Left his kids behind. Uh, got on a boat. Oh uh, my gosh, that's true. I did do that. Headed out. So, uh, how was your anniversary trip? This is twenty right. years, right? Twenty years. Yeah. Can you believe she put up with me for that long? It's, I can't believe it's been 20 years, man. I don't feel old enough to have anybody in my family, my like of my generation, married for 20 years. But then again, I think, have I really been out of college for 20 years? Because as of this point, yes, I have. You have. You remember the wedding? It was a good wedding. I do yeah, remember the reception. wedding. Yeah, we had a great time. We went on a cruise to uh, uh, with Royal Caribbean to uh, St. Thomas, St. Martin, and then their little Cocoa Bay place, or not Cocoa Bay, Cocoa yeah, maybe it's that. Whatever their little island is. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's um, it was a uh, it's the largest ship in in the world. It was called the Wonder of the Seas. It still is called that, but it it was at that time. That well. one with the go karts on it. No, no, no go karts, but it has a. <laughs> it's just huge. It was huge, but well, we, yeah, we they're all floating hotels, man. <laughs> they are. We we survived though. It was relaxing. We just kind of hung out and. And uh, relax. You come I back mean, with COVID? No, I mean not that I know of. We'll <laughs> we'll see. Um, oh, cough. And then it, right when I got back, um, then I had to go to Toronto for a trade show. So I just got back, and tomorrow I head to another one. So yeah, we've had had some space out between our you know shows. So yeah. thank you for your patience. Yeah, we we uh, we recorded a couple ahead of time, knowing that Landon was going to be out of the country, and. Uh, and so we've been spreading those out uh, between then and now. Um, uh, just a quick reminder, uh, the Writers Guild, as of the time we are recording this on August 20th of 2023, the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild are still on strike, and we are still in 100% support of that. Uh, and still in the uh, description down below, you will be able to find a link if you would like to stand with uh these organizations as well you can uh you know if you feel like donating to uh some of the folks who are less fortunate uh and um you know through this time are having difficulty paying their bills uh keeping a roof over their head keeping food on their kids plates uh, by all yeah. means um just as out. a reminder real quick you know again we said this on another podcast of ours sometimes it's easy to think that the these strikes are only affecting the super rich and the super famous but that's just not the case there are a lot of amazing uh talented up-and-coming uh actors and actresses who have worked very hard and put their their lives and their their uh, everything on the line to be able to pursue their craft and uh, they don't make anything and so these uh having these standards and being able to um stand firm on making sure that the wages and the work working conditions are fair and reasonable is uh, is the right thing. And so, um, just uh, if you're if you're wondering about that, and you maybe thought uh, as I once did long ago, until I met some actor friends, man, you know there are some real people out there. Do some research, learn about them, and feel free to donate or just support. Um, absolutely. Yeah, if you're in L.A. or New York, uh, you know, stop by one of those picket lines, drop off some cookies and sandwiches. 
honk as you drive by, whatever it is you can do to show your support. Um, but as we said, we are uh, standing in solidarity with um, the writers and the actors uh, and anyone else who is willing to um, walk that picket line with with those good folks. So, uh, all right. Well, today in our um, in our podcast, in our episode today, we are going to be discussing the golden age of animation with Disney. Uh, I know, I know that's one of those companies that are, are being st- struck. Struck is that the right? Stricken, stri- stricken, strikes, stri- struck, stri- stricken, uh, <laughs> stricken, stricken. <laughs> um, so that's one of those you know big conglomerates that you know they're so they're out of touch. But we figured we can talk about movies from 1937, right? That's that's not out of the realm of possibility. So that's where we're at today. Um, so if you ask most folks on the internet, the history of Disney's animated features can be divided up into seven distinct eras. I won't list them all, but in a previous episode, we did explore the Disney Renaissance that spanned from, uh, 1989's Little Mermaid to 1999's, uh, Tarzan. And today we're looking back at the golden age, which began with, of course, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, uh, in 1937. Now, if you've been paying attention to some of the things that have been on the internet recently, uh, there's there's some um, hot conversation going on about uh, the upcoming Snow White live action remake. Apparently, um, now I can't think of the actress's name who's playing Snow White. Uh, she has apparently said some things in interviews. Uh, Rachel Ziegler, she was in um, West Side Story. She's in the upcoming. Uh, Hunger Games prequel. Uh, apparently, she is playing the title character Snow White, and she has uh, said a few things that have um, not gone over well with with fans. And it's one of those things that's weird. It's fans who have complained about what she said are suddenly being labeled racist or Hold on, what, what did she? What did she say? Well, she, so she is saying that this version of Snow White is not going to be like the 1937 version of Snow White. You know, she's not waiting for her prince to come. She is not some damsel in distress. And I don't think they're even having the seven dwarfs because I think they have decided that for some reason it's inappropriate to use the word dwarf. I don't know. Um, I have, you know, part of. I've really, really been paying attention to like the headlines and things that, you know, and not really watched the interviews, but from, from what I gather, and if I'm wrong, you know, listeners, viewers, be sure to jump in and, and leave your comments. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, but from what I gather, uh, she, she said something along the lines of uh, it's, you know, this is a, a modern retelling of snow, snow white. I mean, obviously still taking place in that fairy tale age, but you know, again, she's she's not just some damsel waiting for her prince to show up. This is this is a different version of a modern feminist version of Snow White. And and what's what's gotten people up in arms is, you know, there there are some people out there who are saying in response, well, what's wrong with having, you know, a princess who you know, maybe her goal is to find a husband and get married and, you know, be that princess. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, all right. All right. Here's the exact quote, according to NBC News. 
quote, I mean, I just mean that it's no longer 1937, Ziegler said. We absolutely wrote a Snow White that she's not going to be saved by, by the prince, and she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's going to be dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be, and that her her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. And then she said that uh, to Extra TV, that there's a big focus on Snow White's love story in the original film with a guy who literally stalks her. She called that part of the story weird and said they didn't do that this time. Quote, we have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because we cast a guy in the movie. And quote, she said, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. How how interesting that she has such strong feelings after being in West Side Story. I mean, isn't one of the key moments of Snow White the fact that she's like in a coma <laughs> from eating an apple and the only <laughs> cure is true love's kiss? Isn't am I am I wrong there? Is that I think I think the truth is what we're gonna find is that if you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you don't need true love's kiss. You just need to, you know, find the courage within to be the woman that you've always wanted to be. And then you'll just wake up from your coma. That's, yes, that is, okay. yes. Good, good. That'll be interesting. I won't go see it because I'm I'm notorious for just, I hate live action remakes. I think they're stupid. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the oh, kind of thing. I think I'll find other reasons to not go see it uh, just based upon that. <laughs> oh my God. i think you'll well, you'll get trapped into it because you have kids i uh yeah but you know i watched mirror mirror and i really enjoyed mirror mirror it's not the same though it's not a live action remake that's that is a completely different thing this is disney remaking snow but but they're not really remaking snow white if it's as different as she claims it is this is this is a different movie. You can't call it a remake. I think we have to remember that actors and actresses, as much as I have praised the value of actors and, and especially just a minute ago, let's just remember that if if critics, if actors were were uh, in line with critics, um, I think we'd have a, a different uh, understanding of how movies are like you can't. You can't go by that because every actor in their own method and craft of being able to become the character or do what they do, especially looking at their age, you know, and how long they've actually been an actor, how long they've been doing stuff, their growth in their career. It's it's all very colored and changed, you know, and affected by their experience. And so I don't know that that I would put a whole lot of stock in even what Gal Gadot would say about the movie. You know what I mean? I, I she's playing the evil queen, right? Yeah, she's playing the evil queen. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I when an actor says something about a movie that they're they're in, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't. <laughs> uh, if if a director talks about the movie or, or a story writer talks about a movie, then I'm going to pay more attention because they are in the guts of the vision of all of the characters, all of the scenes, all the cinematography. I have a pretty better, a, a better understanding of, of what they intend for the movie than what this little kid's saying. You know what? I, I like to listen to what the executives at the studio say because they're the ones who have the final cut. <laughs> we Just all kidding. want to know what they think, right? 
they can take their opinions and shove them down the toilet. <laughs> All right, so this golden age of animation marked a pivotal moment in cinematic history where animation evolved from short cartoons to feature-length films, which has rich storytelling. And during this time, creative decisions and technical innovations were highly influenced by the Great Depression and World War II. Uh, so, of course, we are starting with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We do have the dwarfs. We do have a prince. And accept it. Accepted America. It was 1937, and, and that's we what we like them all. We like them all. That's right. I, I mean, I will. I will. Yeah. Snow White is a little. When you go back and watch it, it's it's not a kids movie. It's really not. Uh, there's there's some disturbing imagery happening there. Plus, let's let's also take into consideration that Snow White in this movie, fourteen years old. Oh, she's fourteen. Yeah, yeah, and so when she's being stalked by that prince, that's a little, uh, you know. <laughs> but let, let's just remember, you know, we don't know how old he is. You know, I mean, he could be 16. Have you heard that baritone voice of his? He's got to be 25. <laughs> what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Right. So, uh, 1937, yeah, this wasn't just Disney's first feature-length film, but it was also the first full-length cell-animated feature in cinematic history. Uh, and for those outside the business, I want to explain. The Academy Awards considers a film, a feature-length film, when it is at least 40 minutes long, which doesn't seem very long for feature-length. Uh, so the Screen Actors Guild requires a minimum of 80 minutes. So uh, there's, there's that. Uh, I guess that's for award purposes. Um, so a lot of uh, the industry insiders of that particular era were skeptical about Disney's decision to produce this film, uh, many calling it Disney's folly. Uh, really? Yeah. So people were not expecting this to do well. Um, the it, We mentioned that, uh, you know, during this era, a lot of technical innovations came about. One of them was the multiplane camera. Uh, this was a groundbreaking innovation that allowed for more dynamic uh, layered animation. Um, so it looked like you had that uh, the illusion of depth in your uh, field of vision there on the screen. Okay. Uh, and uh, the meticulous attention to detail extended to the characters and the settings, which set the new standard for animation quality moving forward. Um so give me give me your opinion. When's the last time you uh, sat down and watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? I think I probably had my kids watch. It has had to have been like probably seven or eight years, maybe like I watched it, you know, because my kids went through this stage where we watched some of those movies. But, you know, they it doesn't necessarily land with kids like like, I don't know, maybe because of the other things they get to see. And the, and the animation style and all that. There are some parts that I think that resonate with anyone. Um, you know, the, the hi-ho, you know, aspect. Um, and then just the overall concept, the transformation of the queen giving up her beauty um, to become the, the witch, you know, in order to um, kill Snow White. I mean, that definitely some dark themes in it. So, um, yeah, 
I loved I love the spread of characters. Um, I don't think it's meant to be really in in depth analyzed or thought about as much as it's just it's from the story. Uh, is it a um, is it a grim? Is it a yeah, yeah it's grim, the grim, grim fairy, fairy tale, right? So you know, anytime Disney does a spin on those or a Han Christian Anderson or something like that, it's you know it's it's a fluffier version. It's a oh yeah. It's it, you, you, we get the term Disney fied for a reason. Uh, these, the mirror these always movies. freaked me out though. The mirror, the mirror guy oh, with yeah. his face, you know, his, yeah. you know, just that weird mask looking thing. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the the transformation you mentioned, uh, of the queen turning into the old hag that that was scary. That was yeah. it was a scary moment. I mean, she just. And and what does that accomplish, by the way? You you want Snow White dead so you can be the most beautiful woman in the world, and you turn exactly. yourself into an ugly old hag? Is this reversible? Like, is this a temporary fix? Because she dies as the hag. She dies. I mean, yeah. I I just I just I feel like it's counterproductive. I, I if, I was, if I was evil, I'd find some other way. Just, there's just got to be another way. But everybody knows that that hag. Every I mean that is a yeah that's, that's the icon right the, people, the hooked people nose the yeah, the, the wart well the the Palpatine like robe <laughs> she's, that's 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 where George Lucas got his idea <laughs> probably yeah I mean he did take a lot of ideas from from other things do it uh, you know old old serials and <laughs> and uh, and Japanese Kurosawa films and of course Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I you know the 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 prince is extremely forgettable to me. I well, identify he's, he's on screen like five minutes. Yeah, I I really more so when I think about like an epic tale of this era, I think about Sleeping Beauty. I mean, that's the one that that I think about. Now I remember the dwarves and I remember all that from Snow White, and but um, the the battle, um, the songs of Sleeping Beauty, totally over uh overshadow this movie for me 100 percent. well it's a shame we're not gonna be talking about sleeping beauty because that's in a completely different era of history are you kidding i'm not kidding no. so what's the other what's that era called if this it's not the golden age man no i can't remember i know so this is the golden age after this was the the war years when they did basically like compilation type movies um, where they strung a bunch of shorts together. Um, then there was the post-war era, which I think is where Sleeping Beauty lies. That's okay. where that's where you get Cinderella. You get um, Pinocchio. No, 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 no. Pinocchio's next. Pinocchio was the second feature he did. I'm just surprised because okay, I, I get you. So, and I guess because Sleeping Beauty, I'm seeing shows 1959. Yeah. Yeah, why don't you list out the movies that we're that we're talking about here? Because I'm like, all right, I, there's I, only five. So yeah, so we start with Snow White, obviously. Next up, we'll we'll hit Pinocchio. Uh, after that is Fantasia, uh -huh. and then we have Dumbo and Bambi. Dumbo and so Bambi. it's just those five movies uh, that hit the um, the golden age, and then like I said, World War Two you know, was already happening during the golden age of animation, but, um, you know, it really took its toll on the studio. Um, 
and and the, just their their ability to produce um really anything uh for for several years there and uh and so you know but again that's that's another era we can talk about that in another another episode it's really interesting though to go back um there's there's several um several i think uh documentaries you can find on disney plus that that talk about uh the history of of disney's animated animation studios the ups and the downs and um and so it's it's really interesting to to see and hear how they survived uh because there there have been several periods throughout the history of the studio where it it looked like they were going to have to shut down and we may not have had you know all of these classic disney movies that we think of yeah um you know if snow white and the seven dwarfs hadn't been a hit they would have he wouldn't he wouldn't have done it anymore right you know right we we never would have gotten pinocchio we wouldn't have gotten fantasia we wouldn't we wouldn't have gotten frozen frozen 2 it's a it's hard to imagine it's crazy. A world that did not have frozen or Olaf. I know, that. right? Um, all right. So Pinocchio came out in 1940. This was three years later. It showcased Walt's commitment to pushing the boundaries of animation. Uh, the techniques used to animate water and smoke uh were pioneered in this film. This was a you know, water and smoke apparently were uh, very difficult things to to draw um in cell animation, and so they uh made it to where it looked believable um jiminy cricket became an iconic character associated with disney appearing in various subsequent projects um themes of morality temptation and personal growth continue to resonate with audiences to this day oh yeah and and despite today's acclaim for the movie uh pinocchio faced challenges upon release due to its dark and complex themes i mean how nightmare inducing is it just to watch that kid turn into a donkey oh my gosh yeah the whole pleasure island scene was rough i mean it's the but the idea the the whole concept uh about temptation about association about um ambition fame pride i mean there's like it really, really was a, a a great movie. Continues to be a great movie to watch. I I have always, always loved Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, and Jiminy Cricket, you know, as the conscience, you know, yeah, it's just all of us know that. When you wish upon a star, but man, Pleasure Island, that that whole scene. Oh man, kids drinking beer. Smoking. smoking cigars smoking. i don't think they'd be able to get away with that today i haven't i haven't seen the uh did you watch the live action version that hit the disney plus last year yeah, with tom hanks yeah is it any good i thought so i thought it was and i thought again, it was i better. avoid those things like the plague I, but... I know i thought it was better than um other other ones you know other live actions yeah but, there's, and again, there's been you know, plenty of interpretations of the story they did they, they did, did good about like um staying true or having the same kind of characters you know that they've done i didn't watch the guillermo de toro um one that he did um but oh yeah on netflix yeah netflix i don't i haven't seen that either so um but you know the the whole geppetto aspect i mean the whale um this guy who wants to have a, a son you know and and then his son is gone from him and then he goes, 
looking for him, you know, and and ends up in a whale. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's 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 a really deep storyline, you know, when you think about it. Yeah. So it's straightforward. You can go deeper into it if you want to, but this this movie, you you can't get around the fact that there are themes in this that that really really touch on some serious issues. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kidnapping. I mean, abduction, um, you know, imprisonment, trafficking. I mean, just whoa, whoa. Yeah. And you, you've got to, I mean, seriously, you've got to think about the choices that, that Pinocchio makes. You know, he's got, he's got Jiminy Cricket, yeah, that's supposed to be acting as his conscience to help him make the right decision. But you've also got, you know, those, uh, was it Honest John? Uh, was that the name of the, like, the fox? Yeah, the um, that uh, you know is out there in the town and whispering, or you know, not so much whispering, but you know, telling Pinocchio, "Hey, but this is what? this is a great idea for you to do. You should you should do this." And even with Jiminy Cricket telling him, "No, don't follow you. Go to school like you're supposed to. Stay yeah. with your father like you're supposed to." No, he right. Pinocchio keeps on making these horrible decisions. Yeah, yeah, and you know. Being made of wood uh, obviously doesn't have much of a care about how his father would feel about it, uh, knowing that, okay, he's been now kidnapped by, was was the puppeteer guy Stromboli? Stromboli. That was, that was mm, I could go for a good Stromboli right now. Good or Calzone. Um, the, um, the, the part about um, how naivety is not, um, does not like mean innocence you know how it's like just because he was new and there was suggestions to him and he didn't know any better there was clear truths about what was right and wrong laid before him and you just can't get away with with um not having consequences to ignoring the foundational truths to me there's a there's a christian element to this you know that i that maybe it's because of my my me being a christian but when i watch the movie i i very much relate it to uh the christian journey you know there's there's a philosophical argument that uh you know the knowledge of right and wrong is is just an innate trait that we have as as humans and so you know you've got this puppet who is you know made in the image of his father um basically you know he he should still have that innate right versus wrong and he's got the aid of a cricket who is apparently you know a a good conscience to have i don't know um but you know one one good thing about it is that yes pinocchio makes these awful decisions over and over again but there are also consequences for his decisions. Yeah. And yeah. so it's it's not like, oh, he's just getting away scot-free and everything's gonna be okay. There's clear you consequences. Know, there there are absolutely consequences to to each one of these. And sure the blue fairy shows up and helps him out at that one point to get away from Stromboli, but in the end, it very nearly costs him his life right. to uh to wind up doing the right thing. And right. um and so, yeah, it's it's it still to this day is a fascinating, fascinating in, interpretation of of the story of Pinocchio and uh, 
definitely, I think it holds up very yeah, well. I do too. I do too. Well, and it's got it's got true um, remorse and repentance and redemption in it. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I'm not saying that anybody who who um, was involved in the Disney project or the original writers of the story, you know, were were thinking along a Christian line. Although I do think that we find Christian ethic infused in culture quite often, uh, sure. whether people intend for it to not. I just mean like for me, I look at it. I could see my kids can look at it, and there's something valuable for for our philosophy and the way that we look at things. Um, it'll always be a great movie um but yeah so all right so fantasia fantasia same year 1940 40 as well uh this was a daring experiment with the blending of animation and classical music designed to evoke emotion through visual storytelling uh each segment explores a different mood and artistic style from the whimsy of dance of the hours to the intensity of night on bald mountain dun 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 uh, again, trying to pioneer new innovations with each film, uh, Fantasia introduced what they called Fanta Sound. It was a stereophonic sound system that enhanced the audience's experience. Um, initially, the film received mixed reviews and financial challenges due to the unconventional format, but has later gained recognition as a groundbreaking artistic endeavor. Um, well, if you do a show every night at Disney World, that'll help gain some you know uh intrigue and interest into something that is for many people for forgettable um then at the same time for some people they'll laud it as being incredible i i always looked at it not like a movie i looked at it like it was a special like it was a fun and maybe that's the way i saw it first time you know on like the world of disney or something i love the scene with the with mickey and the brooms and all that stuff I, I loved all that that the mountain king thing that that was one of my most favorite scenes of the entire of the entire thing because they used to show that as a clip and this is probably why i see it more like a special and not a movie but on the disney channel and and on the wonderful world of disney that they do they'd show little clips of things like this, just like at Halloween, they'd show just that little clip. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun to watch. I, And that's kind of the way I look at it. I don't look at it like the whole thing. I don't think I ever, I mean, I'm sure I one or two times like sat through the whole thing, but I more so remember the clips piecemeal. Yeah, uh, definitely growing up, uh, having access to the Disney Channel, um, you know, when we were kids, that is something that Fantasia was never released on on video. Well, not ne- not never. It was a long Later. time right. before Fantasia was released on video. I remember it being a big deal when it finally was. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, our grandmother gave that to me for Christmas one year, um, and I was so excited because I'd never seen it from start oh, to finish. Okay, because you just because, saw the clips like, like, like I yeah. did. Yeah, like you said, the the only the only exposure I had to Fantasia was what we saw on the Disney Channel, where, like you know, they would have the um, those afternoon half hour long uh, shows that were either focused on Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck or whatever, but it was really like a half an hour of we're going to show you three shorts. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. you know, Donald Duck versus Chip and Dale or uh, Pluto versus some mouse or something, you know, 
Right. And and they would show a clip from Fantasia or really they they'd take a, a 10 minute segment from from any of these old classic movies. And but that was that was my only exposure to Fantasia all those yeah. years was you, they'd show Night on Bald Mountain. They would show the the hippos dancing. They would show the um, <laughs> the was, Nutcracker Suite with the uh, the flowers and the the mushrooms dancing and things. Um, you know that was that was the only exposure we really had until it finally was released. Um, because that wasn't one that they they would re-release in the theaters. You know, Disney for a long time, for decades, was famous for re-releasing their classic um movies in the theater every seven to ten years to let each generation have a chance to see it but then they stopped doing that with the advent of the vhs the dvd and because everyone has access to these things at home now so what's the point in re-releasing these old movies even though i still think that's a great idea because you can you can make money off of these things that you're you're not having to put any effort into making anymore right you know right and and you're giving people a chance to see these old movies on the big screen, but anyway, uh, yeah. When Fantasia finally came out on on VHS, it was it was in it was in one of those classic like you know you open up the big plastic case and there it is, but it wasn't white like the rest of the movies. Right. It was it was it was a black case. It was like oh this is serious. This isn't some kids movie. This is like going to the symphony. That's know, right at the Roanoke right. Civic Center. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even with the pops oh um, um, yeah you know though i mean i never got into the real hype of it i remember i just i do remember going to disney world and them having fantasia and having the big show and that was like a big deal and that's probably when i think about it, it's like the clips and then i think oh yeah the disney music but i never really looked at it like like i don't even think i knew that there was like a a full movie until that came out like until until they came out with like the full thing i just thought it was part of like a collection like a fantasia collection you know i, just, right. I don't know I, you know as much as like the like looney tunes you know or i mean you know it's it's just like or or all the the mickey little cartoons that they would do i just thought it was like one of those but but no it was a, a bigger deal back at this time so um it was a big deal and it uh was a flop like it 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 really it didn't make any money at the box office which is probably why it's it was one of those that they did not continue to re-release every yeah, 10 yeah. years or whatever Push but um, yeah that that so the fact that Fantasia did not do well at the box office really um played into why Dumbo became what it became Dumbo was intended to be a short like it was it wasn't supposed to be a feature length film and it barely is it barely makes it it's uh, it's i want to say it's like 45 minutes long it's it's super short all right um, i'm just going to say this about dumbo and then i don't know how other people feel about it or you feel about it but i'm just going to say it. there is one one good thing about that movie one and it's the song baby mind and that's yeah. it that's it the rest yeah. of it I just rather I, I and I went and saw the live action too, hoping that maybe I missed something in my childhood that this that the live action would help redeem. And, and yeah, that one's I don't feel like that's a remake. That's a completely different movie. That that's true. That's because there's not a lot to work with in the first one. You don't have enough to work with of, to make a movie. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing there. You, there, how do you expand that into a two and a half oh, hour movie? 
all, do you remember all this stuff that people got about the crows, like in free and and just like um the back all the racism, yeah, the racism. Oh my gosh, I just the, I, Dumbo is my least favorite Disney movie of all time. Not just from this era, but like for all of it, for all of it. Ah, wow. Um, all right. Yeah, so what else? I mean, it know. is it is known for its simplicity. Uh. It still carries a powerful message about self-acceptance and inner strength, if you want to go there. Uh, Baby Mine and the emotional connection between Dumbo and his mother makes the sequence one of Disney's most touching to this day. Uh, Due to the constraints of World War II, the film's animation style was streamlined, resulting in a cost-effective production. Uh, And despite its shorter length compared to other Disney films, Dumbo remains beloved for its heartfelt story. Um, I'm more on your page though. Um, I won't say it's it's my least favorite, but it's not one that like ranks up there and like something that I have to watch on repeat, uh, you know, every few years or whatever. It's 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 the Jim Belushi of Disney movies. <laughs> you know, my my wife would 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 probably laugh at my response here because there's so many people who look at Dumbo and how cute Dumbo is and with the ear flops and falling all over himself. And, and, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's kind of just there. Um, And yeah, there's the, you know, the racism stuff and uh, (laughs) like, especially not just with the crows and the way that they're depicted, but uh, when the, the big top, when the circus is being put together, I mean, it's it's clearly like the manual laborers are clearly meant to be a bunch of black men. Yeah. Um, and and the way that the song that they sing while they're putting up the tent and, and everything is which, which bear in mind, I mean, there's there's two aspects of this. Is it true to that time? Probably. Probably yeah. true to that time doesn't make it okay and often has makes it the challenge with it is it is and i don't think it's meant to promote it as much as it's it's almost it normalizes it in a way that we're not comfortable with today and nor should we be you know what right. i mean so back then i would imagine someone would be like what that's what it is you know yeah. they enjoy that you know what i mean yeah. it's like well yeah. it's it's, it's like anything wrong. else from from that uh, era like you uh, know you got Al Jolson putting on blackface and winning an Academy Award for it at that point. Right. You know, this is, this is like, at that point, this is, this is normalized. This is part of our culture. Again, doesn't mean it's okay. Doesn't mean we should be okay with it now, you know, 60, 70 years later, knowing what we know about history and about, you know, the culture of, america and how you know the different races and different different ethnicities in this country have been treated right right um by you know by the entertainment industry by the government by corporations all of it like this is i mean right it is a completely different way you know it would be it would be more upsetting to think that we watch something like dumbo now and we're not bothered by these things. Right, right. And I'm not one that believes that we should censor or stricken anything. Oh, ever. No, 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 like, no, absolutely not. I, I would never like say we should stop this. And I would never say like that we should not read Tom Sawyer. 
or um or Huck Finn or anything like that. I right. I think that all of those things are important to have. Do I think it's okay to have a disclaimer at the beginning of them, especially if kids are watching so they can understand this movie depicts, you know, elements of racism, you know, and and things like that. Yeah, I actually do. I think it's helpful because having some context, you know, or having someone provide context in some of these movies and books is is good so that you can come into it right, you know, but Absolutely. I I agree with you 100% on that. That is you're hitting the nail on the head. Um All right, well Dumbo. Yeah. Dumbo. Dumbo. So, <laughs> what's the next one? So now we wrap things up in 1942 with Bambi. This marked a departure from fairy tales, embracing a more realistic approach to storytelling, characters, and environments. The film's use of animal behavior as reference for animation set a new standard for depicting the natural world in animation. The death of Bambi's mother, spoiler alert, is one of the most impactful moments in cinema history, a stark and emotional portrayal of loss growth. Um, and while the movie while the movie faced challenges at the box office during wartime, again World War II was on, uh, it has since become a symbol of Disney's commitment to storytelling depth. Um, one of my favorite lines from Friends, the television show, was uh, there was an episode where they were giving Chandler a hard time because he didn't get emotional at movies. And uh, and somebody asked him, when Bambi's mother died, you didn't cry? Yeah, it was very sad when the animator stopped drawing the deer. <laughs> uh, but that said, Heartless. it actually is. It's a very. It's a heavy moment. It's like a it heavy is, moment. I well, mean, the other side, too, is like you're you're not. It, it's very lighthearted. I mean, Bambi on ice, you know, and Thumper, who is like the, um, you know, the ultimate sidekick. You have like, like this is the beginning of a good sidekick, you know. I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot of great elements, and they're innocent and fun and cute, and then it gets pretty serious pretty quick, and and I think faster than than when you're watching it than than you're ready for, you know. It just and and it doesn't stop. It doesn't get better. Doesn't work out. And the innocence of him discovering the reality, the dread, the the the. the I mean, you're just walking along that. And I think people see it. It's if you have any empathy at all, you're putting yourself in the innocent's shoes and discovering this as if it was your own. And boy, when a movie can do that, when a movie can take you and put you right there, and you have such compassion or empathy. Um, yeah, that'll make that'll make the waterworks come, except for Chandler. Apparently, um, statistic showed that forty uh, percent of people who would regularly go hunting quit after watching no. this movie. No, I'm making that up. I'm completely making up that uh, that statistic. That was a complete lie. But wouldn't well, that be I don't funny? Know. You know, Disney had quite its effect on people. You know, I mean, yeah. No, this man. Is- I say this while I have some venison in my freezer that my neighbor gave me, just so we're all on the same page. It was delicious. It is delicious. You take a Lipton's French onion soup packet, put an egg, and put some deer meat together. That'll make you a burger you will not forget in a wonderful way. You know, I'm actually not a fan of venison, but I think it's – I know why I'm not, because – Bambi. 
<laughs> yeah, when I was in college, um, a friend of mine had gone hunting and they brought back some venison. And uh, when they invited several of us over for dinner, it had turned. Oh, but it was gamey. Oh, it was it was not good. And I was sick the next day. Yeah. So um, one yeah, bite I, in, you know, one bite in. Yeah. You go one bite in, you taste it and it, it tastes wrong. Don't swallow that bite. You got you got to you got to have that meat go right in and go. Mm, ah, nope, but you know, and that's just it. That's gone. It was, it was bad. It was bad. Um, but you know, but Bambi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we had so a little sad. infomercial for venison. So, so sad. Uh, you know, and then what it does for the for the uh, venison industry. I mean, it's just it's just bankrupted. Some people just um, lost their jobs. <laughs> uh this is another one like when I, I remember as a kid watching this was one they would show clips of right, uh on right. the Disney Channel. Like like you mentioned the 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 segment where he's ice skating yeah, for the first skating. time and he can't can't handle ice skating, but but Thumper's super good at it. We'll show off. Um yeah. the the scene where he's Thumper's trying to teach Bambi words yeah. and yeah. uh you know showing him, you know, this is uh, a bird bird. Bird, bird. <laughs> because no, no, no. It's a flower, flower, <laughs> flower. Yeah, no, so that's a skunk. He can call me flower if he wants to. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun personalities. There were a lot of clips there. You know, uh, for a long for a long time, I would make a reference if I wasn't good at something. I I make fun of myself and say, yeah, I'm like Bambi on ice. It's just so memorable. Everybody remembers that that scene with him flopping around on the ice. Yeah. You, you oh just can't God. get your feet out from underneath yourself. <laughs> oh no, no. But you know the, the funny thing is, is that it's not a movie that I've watched often, um, nor cared to like repeat watching or anything like that. I I just oh, it's you depressing. Know, it's depressing. You know, it's the clips were great again, just like on the Disney Channel, like we talked about. But beyond that, it was like, I don't think so. I think that that did it, you know? Yeah. My, yeah. I, there's it's, movies it's like one, that, you know? I think I've only watched it all the way through, like, just a handful of times. And I'll be honest, like, past the the part where Bambi's mom gets shot, like, I have a hard time remembering how it goes. I have no that. memory. Like, I, I was just I know, about to say that. I have no I idea what happens jumped, after. They, I know there's a time jump, and and Bambi is an adult, and he, uh, you know, meets a doe, and has a, a deer, fight a with a female deer. Buck. Yes, a female deer. Um, and, you know, he gets into a fight over her with another buck. Um, right, right. It's coming back to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a fire. And there, and there a forest fire at some point. There was a fire. Yeah um but yeah it's it's been so long like i i just i could not tell you the sequence of events that leads to the ending of that movie i just i i get to the mom i just think about the mom i've got thumper with the words i've got bambi on ice and i got the mom dying and that's all i got but i remember the fire too because i also remember thinking that the way that the animation was with the fire was pretty pretty rad i remember thinking that you know, it's like when the forest is being taken over by in Fer Fern Gully. You know, remember that? I don't, I don't like to think about that. 
I love Fern Gully. What? But that that giant smoke monster thing was super scary. That's true. But you did like Fern Gully, right? It was all right. Thumbelina? Oh gosh, no. Let's let's still taking us into another animated studios, man. <laughs> if it's if it's if it's not so if we're if we're gonna start talking about Don Bluth movies. All right, we can talk about American. We can talk about American Tale. We can talk about Land Before Time, but anything past that, no, no. Do you want to do a duet? We'll sing. You know, (laughs) no. We should. You know. You know. Shows have like their musical episode. We could have. We could have a musical. (laughs) We could have a musical. You know, be compelling reason why it becomes a musical. I'm. I'm, If I can't (laughs) buy it as part of the plot, then then we shouldn't do it. All right, hey, offshoot real quick because I got to know. Strange New Worlds, you know, the music episode. Did you like it? It was fantastic. I did too. I thought it was great. I, oh, I'm, I keep waiting for, for it to come out on Spotify so I can download the, the oh, songs. Oh, I know. I know. Um, Sorry. All right. Digress. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, Yeah, one other thing I remember about Bambi, Thumper in particular, was uh, he would get in trouble. He's got a big mouth. <laughs> and um this is where this is where i learned the lesson if you if you can't what is it if you don't you have sure nothing good to say don't say nothing at all or something like yeah. that are you sure you learned that lesson no are you sure that's just not, not when you heard that lesson maybe it's when i heard it and yeah. knew that it's supposed to be a thing yeah but uh but in, not. in real life my philosophy is if you don't have anything nice to say come sit next to me <laughs> that's the one that's the one. Yeah. And I and I am not like that, you know, between the two of us, unless we're talking about Shazam 2 or Blue Beetle. And those and we're two- not. So. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk about the legacy of these movies. Collectively, they laid the foundation for Disney storytelling legacy, uh, shaping subsequent generations of animation and film. The techniques and innovations introduced during this era continue to influence animation production and creative processes. Uh, the film's popularity led to the establishment of Disney as a dominant force in animation and family entertainment. Dominant. I don't think, I don't think that word covers it. I think Disney is like, when when you think of animated movies, Disney, do you not think of Disney first? I mean, oh, yes. most, most oh, people yes. do. I mean, how many how many people would probably say that Anastasia was a Disney movie? I think I think what I think Isn't. many people looking back would say Warner Brothers and think of Looney Tunes. They think of Looney Tunes and they think of Disney. But right. when you think about movies animated movies it's mm-hmm. always disney always yeah, disney. always also and now we have we're at a new era with you know, since we were growing up with pixar and you know illumination and all of that whole shift there um but and obviously some of those have been bought you know but oh, right by disney right but but when but anything in real animation the way that we know it uh from drawing yeah disney 100 percent yeah. Uh, so comparing the meticulous hand-drawn animation of the golden age to modern CGI techniques uh, highlights the evolution of the medium. The enduring themes of self-discovery, morality, and growth in these classics resonate in today's animated films, bridging generations. 
um yeah there's a there's a big difference in the way that things were done as, as far as the hand-drawn animation style goes um you know back in the day compared to i would i would it's it's so funny when when i was working with kids uh especially like when i was doing children's ministry at my church um you know if, if we showed them one of these older disney movies that was you know your classic 2d hand-drawn animation they would complain because it's not computer generated because this is a generation that has grown up with pixar and with the 3d animation um you know well, that's one of the not... reasons why I, I like like the um like what they've done with the Spider-Man, the Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse and all those is because although I know that's still, still computer and stuff like that, we keep getting more and more advanced in CGI where everybody's just like, I want to look real, I want to look real, I want to look real. And and then you take someone who who makes it artsy, comic booky, uh almost drawn. You know what I mean? And 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 there's like a resurgence for that, I think. Not do I think people are gonna go back to like hand drawing stuff? I don't probably not. You know what I mean? But people are drawing on computers now, and it's the same if you think about it, because they're actually using stencils and doing so, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just be you know, like I still consider that hand drawn. Like if, if you're using a uh, a stylus and you're you're drawing on an iPad or something, same that's thing. still hand drawn. Still, um, yeah. whereas you know whatever they're doing with with um, something like Tangled or Frozen or Wreck It Ralph, you know those those types of movies you know, are strictly CGI. Yes, there is some uh, obviously has to be drawing into it when you are initially creating these characters, right? right. And uh, and you know yes, that I'm not I'm not discounting the creativity that goes into that at all. It's it's impressive. Right. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's just something special, I think about, um, that classic. I mean, when they would go behind the scenes, again, these things on the Disney channel growing up, they'd go behind the scenes of like the making of the little mermaid and they'd show like, this is the animator who is drawing Sebastian the whole movie. This is the only guy who is drawing Sebastian and it would show him like he would have page after page after page of like the the minuscule movements that Sebastian would make throughout the like for each frame. And it's just like, man, who does that? And he's like imagine? he's literally drawing each one slightly different. So it looks like that Sebastian is conducting his orchestra. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. The best I can do is a stick figure on a pad of post-it notes down at the bottom and be like oh he tripped and fell <laughs> it's great i used to do that <laughs> all right so well, we've already talked about I've, I've got in my notes here personal connections and nostalgia we've already shared plenty of that stuff I haven't think we? we have yeah did you have trivia of course thank you but most of these questions are about some of a lot of the things we've already talked about so good that uh well. it's it's more like a can you remember what we said 15 minutes ago? Kind of trivia. Probably not. I had to mow my yard in the heat. So there's I don't have much left of me. Dying. Okay. I actually have nine questions. I'm going to randomly choose five because I want I want I'm gonna see like uh, I'm trying to do a mix of um 
you know, let's just do them all. Whatever. All right. Uh, what was the groundbreaking innovation used in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs that gave depth to the animation? Do you remember that innovation and what it was called? Gave depth, like yeah. perspective, like yeah, like it make it 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 made it look like there was depth to the scene. Oh, it's like layering or something, right? Didn't they like have a thing? I don't remember what it was called. I don't know what it's called, but I remember that I saw the I saw the making thing where they had like the the thing and they laid it over on top of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, I I, I've but seen that too. Yeah. The multiplane camera. Multiplane. Okay. All right. Which character served as Pinocchio's conscience and became an iconic character for Disney? Mel Blanc. Oh, sorry, Jimmy Curtin. <laughs> I know he was working for Warner Brothers at the time. Uh, what are the significant Mel, Mel Blanc? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he? Wasn't he the voice of Jimmy Cricket? I don't think so. He he was in the movie. I remember. I remember seeing his his name on there. I got maybe see he was Jimmy Cricket. Hold on, I got to see. Right. Hold on, hold on, I got to look it up. He now. was probably everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so Pinocchio. Because for Warner Brothers, he was Bugs Bunny. He was, yeah, he was Bugs Pig. Bunny. He was. He was somebody. I remember it from long. Gideon. Who's Gideon? Gideon? Gideon was Honest John's other guy. He was the he was the cat. He's barely in it. He was the one who hiccups. So Mel Blanc Blake did the hiccups. Good, there you go. good job, Mel. Go Bugs Bunny again. All right, go ahead. All right, what are the significant historical events that shaped the way films were made during Disney's golden age? Today. Two. What, what are the significant historical events that shaped the way that films were made during Disney's golden age? Two significant historical events. Mention them at the very one. beginning. World War One. No. But you're close. Great Depression. World War Two. Yes, Great Depression. World War II and the Great Depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which of these early animated features was called Disney's Folly by Hollywood insiders of the day? Uh, uh, Snow White. That's right. Which Golden Age film? Oh, it was really featured? Dumbo. It was really Dumbo, but they called it Snow White. That was that was a folly. Uh, which Golden Age film features a character named Chernabog who summons dark creatures? Fantasia. That's right, Night on Bald Mountain. Yeah, love it. Can you love name, it? Can you name all seven dwarfs? All right, Doc, Happy, um, Grumpy, Dopey, Sneezy. Bashful. Mm -hmm. oh. oh, yeah. Are you doing this sleepy? Sleepy. You're you gave me the hint. Look at you. I did. All right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Oh, yeah. I at some point I memorized them. Yeah. In a certain way. Oh, and you I can do it to, fast. I remember yeah. that. You have to say Yeah, I have to say it in a certain way. Sleepy sees. <laughs> Sleepy, sneezy, happy, grumpy, dopey, bashful, and doc. Yeah, so yeah, I remember you used to do that. I, I don't know why it's stuck in my head that way, but I've that's that's how I remember them. Because you're a lunatic. 
I'm crazy. I am a crazy person. What was the name of the mouse who befriends Dumbo? Ugh. Who cares? <laughs> um. God, I just remember him calling. Didn't he have a nickname for Dumbo? I can't remember. I don't remember what the mouse's name. Uh, he got drunk. Yeah. He got Dumbo drunk. Yeah, that's the one. He's a bad influence. What was his name? Well, I had to him about that feather. Do you remember his name or did you just look this up? I had to look it up. Who was he? Timothy Q. Mouse. Yeah, yeah. No cares. relation to Mickey or Minnie. Nobody cares about Timothy Q. Mouse. The enabler? He, he was. He was an enabler. <laughs> uh, true or false? Bambi is based on a novel by Austrian writer Felix Selton. True. That is true. Uh, final question. Which sequence in Fantasia features Mickey Mouse? Uh, the Apprentice. Uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's exactly right. Very good. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. I was going to give you the hint that it was a Nicolas Cage movie a few years ago. <laughs> um, uh, also forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> I like that movie. Eh. It was it was fun. Like Alfred Molina. More. Um. All right. So let's give you some recommendations if you're interested in learning more about the Golden Age. Uh, there are a couple of books that I will throw out there. Uh, one is the Animators Survival Kit by Richard Williams. Um. Sorry, that's the only book I'm going to mention. There's a documentary though called Walt and El Grupo. Uh, that is very interesting as well. Um, so these these films for sure have left uh, an indelible mark on animation history, uh, shaping Disney's legacy and inspiring generations of animators and storytellers. Landon, do you have anything, any closing thoughts you'd like to throw out there about Disney's golden age? No. <laughs> no, well I mean... Said. Nope. Um, before we wrap things up, though, I do want to give a shout out to a commenter uh, who popped up on Apple Podcasts in these last couple of weeks that we've uh, been sort of on hiatus. Uh, his his handle, if you will, is the Movie Nerd 1992. Do you know who that is? No, me neither. Uh, he says or she says. Uh, I'm not sure who the movie nerd, nerd 1992 is, but uh, quote, more comics. I have found it interesting to listen to the comic book story recaps with DC's confusing continuity. Amen. It is very helpful for comic book readers. Uh, so thank you, the movie nerd 1992 for the five star review. Yeah. Uh, thank thank you. you for the suggestion of, of uh, you know, we can talk about more comics. I, you know, it's it's hard to tell what people like. Um, we unless you give us comments like that, yeah. um, and we definitely want to continue doing shows that people are going to listen to. Um, so yeah, we will we will definitely work on doing more of these um, comic book story reviews, and uh, really, it's nostalgic for us because oh, yeah. these are the stories we grew up reading. Um, and collecting as kids, um, especially if you want to hear about DC, that's that's where we were. Marvel, uh, I would love to be able to tell you more about that, but that's 
you know, that would just be me doing like, research. Everybody's like a Marvel know-it-all now, anyway. I know, you know, right? DC people are still trying to find meaning, so we could probably we get we, we can. We comment. just want a good movie to come out. That's all. I, I do. I do like how because I'll refresh. I'll get a good refresher on it. You know, especially when we did the Green Lantern. I, I like that, so we can learn and, and remember that kind of stuff. Um, I also had um, a listener uh, reach out and say that they had requests for us to do Star Trek Strange New Worlds um, and uh, Stranger Things. And so those are things that we might consider doing and and figuring out how we could do that if we do like an episode of everything or we broke it up by season or we can talk about that and see what we could do. But I have heard you and uh, we'll see what we can do. And I'm I'm all about Strange New Worlds. I love that show. It is, Me too. That's the best Star Trek that's been coming out in years. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it is up there to me with Next Generation. It's, yeah. it's there. It's it's so well done, so well written, so, so well acted. It is amazing. It's such a good show. Um, well, before we turn this into a Star Trek love-in, um, again, thank you, The Movie Nerd, for that five-star review. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, or seen on YouTube, help us out by giving us a like, hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast, or at least the ones you really like. You know, the the folks you don't really care about, whatever. Whatever. I mean, if if they listen, that's fine. We we like the numbers, but uh, you know, the like, the subscribe, that really helps us out and helps us out with the algorithm. Apparently, I don't know. I don't know how that whole thing works, but um, yeah. Thanks for listening, and have a great whatever it is wherever you are. Yeah.